Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com. The entire gang is here. Uh, Eddie Radosevich continues to be attacked by problems uh, as, uh, let's see, his house uh, started weeping, or his apartment, his condo, uh, raining from the ceiling, got stuck in Atlanta, drove to Orlando, barely got back from Orlando, and now his car has said, screw you, I'm dying. It, it might be a good thing. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think we're in a kind of a waiting period, but yeah, it's never good to uh, get to the, like, even before I have a cup of coffee, it's never good to get to the radio station and pull it into the parking lot at the godforsaken time that I have to get there uh, and realize that, is my car about to blow up? That was a question that is I had it on fire this morning. Uh, yeah, like, what is there a fire underneath the hood? And am I going to have to uh, deal with that? On most mornings, it would have been, yeah, you know what? If I can get out of radio for like an hour, Maybe I, this would be better if it just blows up. But uh, anytime that Oklahoma is within uh, five minutes of closing out a winter down field house like they were on uh, Tuesday night, I was already in kind of a piss poor mood. And that was just kind of the chair, the icing on the cake, uh, on top of the cake this morning as uh, as they pissed that away last night. I was told this was more, too morbid of a discussion for radio this morning, but... Will Terry oh, Evans be perfect will, here. will Terry Evans die before OU wins at Lauren at, at Fog Allen again? They might not play there anytime soon. <laughs> I know there's only two more games there. <laughs> you know, that might have been the last trip. Maybe, 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 yeah, maybe one. Maybe they can squeeze one more out uh, next year at some point when they get inevitably get screwed. Uh, but yeah, it was that was a tough one to swallow. And like, by the way, if you don't know, I, Terry I know Evans, I'm going to just kick this off with basketball. Terry Evans was on the last team to win in Allen Fieldhouse. If you didn't, you know, if you're not a basketball head. Yeah. And if I remember right, he was awesome I, that night, right? Six. Oh, he was fantastic that night. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, he was I the reason he they like won. 30. Yeah. I, that was back when I watched OU basketball. Like, you think of the performance that Buddy Heald like, had he, there. And, I mean, it's just like, it, it, yeah. you know the refereeing is never going to go your way in Lawrence. I mean, like, never. You're never going to get a call there. And they're always going to get calls they shouldn't get. It's it, it. There's a reason why it's so difficult to win there. It's because the officials are absolutely swayed by the crowd. And then the last five minutes happened. Like the refs kept KU in the game, but yes, OU they fell apart in the last five minutes. There's nothing you point toward. Oh, that's see that another blown that's call. The, that's another not, KU call. That's not uh you know that's not specific to OU. That happens to almost every team that goes in there. 
Yeah, that, that happens to the away team. At yes. Allen house. That's just what happens. We've seen it to but, Oklahoma no, State. We've seen it to Kansas right the State. Like, I think we've lost Eddie already. The the no no I'm here. Tragedy I'm here. continues. Here. Okay, he, he's here. Go we're ahead. We're here. We're here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. We're doing the pod. Full disclosure. I'm at my parents' house right now. So, uh, no language. Right on the head, though. It, oh my God, is Karen going to come in there and chastise you if you drop f bombs? I don't give a. F- all right. Oh. <laughs> Look, don't Regardless. hurt. Don't hurt our merch oh sales. Karen Radosovich. Right now, that'd be amazing. Don't hurt our merch sales. Karen Radosovich is, is, is our is, biggest customer. All right. Don't turn her against is, the official. This is a Catholic you. home. We will go to confession and repent for our sins. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that happened last night. Uh, look, I I don't even know. Where to start with the football team? The roster is completely changing, you know, day after day from where we were when we podcasted last week to where we are today. I haven't even kept count. Bob, you're in charge of that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, we were asking for Dylan Gabriel to make an announcement. That seemed like old news by this point, all the stuff that's happened since <laughs> Thursday. I think we spoke it into existence, is what we did. So, yeah, he is announced, and then there have been all kinds Marvin of Mims, Marvin David Mims Aguibu, leaves. I mean, okay, let's start on. with David Aguebu because, um, you know, him leaving, I said it to you guys, I think, like, this is the most significant, productive defensive player in the modern era that has chose to just leave the program. Not go to the NFL, but just leave for somewhere mm-hmm. else. Like, five years ago, if you would have told me a player like that would leave the program, I'd be like, no, that's that's insane. That's never happening. Is it is it too convenient for Oklahoma to view it as, I think this is a win-win for everybody. I, I think Oklahoma is ready. I don't want to say ready to move on because the players are going to talk about the leadership and everything that goes into that. But I and do think have. that, yeah, and, and they've been very vocal about it. Jerry Kanick said stuff. Danny Stutzman's been outspoken about it. Sean White has said stuff. Miguel Shavis. Uh, yep. You know, I think Miguel Shavis, yep, Shavis even said some stuff. But I do think at the end of the day, to get a little turnover at that position, to get some of the new blood in there, and just in general today to give David Wegbu a new lease on life, a little bit of a fresh start. It's kind of a win-win for everybody, or is that just almost too convenient to be able to say that? I think what's been interesting, at least so far, is that David hasn't come out and did the social media announcement where you expect you know the fan base to give you all the love and how much they've love watching you and they support you and wish and wish you well. Like I, I thought once that trickled out Monday afternoon, at least by Tuesday, he would have had one of those. And I don't know. Maybe he kind of understands that for whatever reason, the fan base has not been a big fan of David. I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think he kind of knows what, most of those losers and that's what they are. The losers out there that would bust his ass and say that he sucked and they didn't need him. When in reality, he, you know, at times we've all, we've obviously been critical of his play. He took poor angles at times. He will not be remembered probably as good of a player as he should be. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. And, or, you know, do you wonder, does he, does he want to, you know, try a different position. Maybe he knows, Hey, I'm not a linebacker. That's where they're going to keep me. 
maybe I want to try it rush end or something like that. I mean, that's the only thing that really kind of, not that the only thing that makes sense, but yeah, for I mean, for you to kind of talk this out and realize like, oh, he's unhappy and unhappy with the criticism, like that's kind of a that's a that's just kind of depressing to to think that that might have led to it. I don't think that that like necessarily led to his decision, but you know, I I think that it, it is just kind of a fresh opportunity for him. I've heard Houston as a school that uh, maybe folks should keep an eye on, and you know, I guess nowadays you got to go. Well, that's a conference opponent, so maybe you see him, uh, you know, on down the road. So I mean, uh, I mean, that guys, was. I, I, go ahead, Josh. I I, str- I always I always struggle with the. The criticism thing, and I again, we're I realize we're just speculating, but like, do people like do players, coaches, do they live in such a small environment that they don't realize like that's going to be true anywhere if you're not doing the things that the fans expect you to do, whether whether those are valid expectations or not. Like, it's not like Oklahoma has cornered the market on critical fans, like. It's everywhere, like, it's, and it's because well, it's, social media. You have this 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 platform to do so. It's everywhere at major programs. I mean, maybe yeah. It's just one of those things. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't like the way that you know play. You know, some people treat players because it it happens at Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama and and Georgia. Like, you know, you have fans that have that are very passionate, and we talked about it last week. I mean. Uh, don't be psycho. I mean, just just be passionate. Um, but you do. I mean, and it's like we don't know what happens to these other programs when players like this leave. Like, uh, how did Wisconsin fans act when Graham Mertz, you know, decided to leave? I'm sure there were a lot of people that said good riddance. I mean, not a lot, but some that did that. I mean, it. it I'm sure it does happen everywhere. But by the way, Wisconsin, uh, Nick Evers, you want to change your transfer mind? They're signing guys left Four and right at quarterback. quarterbacks in the span of a month. Although one of them's a 2024, but three transfers in the span of a month. Yeah, that's that's it, crazy. But no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You just don't know how guys, you know, are sensitive or react to kids these days. We talk. I'm not trying to be old man get off my lawn, but. It's kind of like with the Dylan Gabriel thing. Like, why did that take so long? Like, did he want to? What did he need to, you know, find out in order to just announce it? Because there certainly was not some big NIL component to his announcement. And how different has Dylan been since? Like, showing a real personality on social media that we've never seen and getting an idea like, okay, 2023 is his team. Well, going back to the bowl game, I mean, like that was a totally different demeanor at the bowl game. Like we hadn't seen that much fire out of Dylan. Like people wanted to see that out of Dylan Gabriel, but he was always kind of a reserved guy. It's probably hard to be outgoing. Like I don't think that you capture the the spirit of a locker room and get your teammates to not like you if you are that bottled up guy that I think a lot of people thought he was. I don't know. I, I, I think that sometimes we only see these guys and kind of based off what they tweet. And then obviously uh, in our day-to-day interactions with them, which isn't very much. Uh, and, you know, we see them for five, 10 minutes and then they have to, you know, basically answer, you know, questions on why they sucked the week before. So I don't necessarily know if we like, actually see his person. I think he's a lot more outgoing, I guess. Is well, what I'm but I mean, but Eddie, you're you forgetting the fire. You guys are forgetting the fact like, you know, he didn't show up after a tough loss to, to, the press conference like 
he obviously takes things pretty tough. And I mean, he 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 got emotional in a press conference this year at one point. I mean, like yeah. he he does tend to seem like for a quarterback, like wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit more than what we've seen. Boom, Mike drop. Maybe it'll help in the portal as they keep trying to get guys. Okay, so... uh, It seems like... Go ahead, Eddie. No, I was just going to say, it seems like the portal is kind of down to a focus on two positions. I mean, obviously, uh, we need to get into the defensive line stuff with uh, the Bothride and the uh, Devon Sears uh, commitments, but it it seems like you're kind of focusing on two right now and that's finishing things off at wide receiver uh you know with Andrell uh, Anthony making his announcement yesterday from Michigan and then uh you know how many more guys do they take we need to get into the wide receiver coach position uh with Emmett Jones which seems like a uh, a fantastic hire uh and then kind of what happens at offensive line uh, with uh you know I think everybody kind of waiting to see what uh Walter Roush does uh the kid from Stanford so yeah I mean we can kind of lead into just all the portal news that's out there right now well, let's let's get into it since we were here last week. What what is our what is our count exactly on guys that is it 10 10 10 it's players. It's nine, nine scholarship. I think the punter's a walk on, but nine nine scholarship. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let's go and, over them. And we went three we've gone three straight days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday with with someone. So we'll see if we can keep keep that streak going. Josh, why don't you kind of start us off on what you feel like the highlights have been over the last week? For me, I, I think the two that really stand out are Andrell Anthony and Rondell Balthroyd. Um, and I think I'm saying that name right. Um, with with Anthony, I mean, you're getting a you know 6'2", big, long, athletic guy, very much kind of fits the mold of the receivers we talked about when Jeff Levy was hired. Like, he doesn't, you know, his track record at UCF and Ole Miss – there's not a lot of Marvin Mimses in there. There's a lot more big vertical, uh, you know, north of six foot one type guys. So um, he he fits that mold, has speed, can stretch the field. Um, in one of you know, as a, as a true freshman last year, in one of Michigan's biggest game, their only loss until the playoffs uh, in 2021 against uh, Michigan State was the biggest game of his career: six catches, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Everybody kind of thought, oh, this guy's going to be a superstar. And really this year he was kind of supposed to be that number two guy. Um, And it just never really came together for him. It sounds like drops were a little bit of a problem from some of the people I've talked to. Um, But the talent's there. I mean, it's just about him being more consistent from everything I've read. And I think Oklahoma's offense could fit him very well. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Bothroy, the, the big defensive end from Wake Forest. I mean, this is a guy that has been ultra productive. I mean, 30 and a half tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks in his career at Wake Forest. This guy's played a lot of good football. And, you know, you have to think he's a guy that Brent and the staff are familiar with from their time in the ACC. I mean, they, they know this guy. They've seen him up close. And for Oklahoma to land him when there was some, you know, there was plenty of talk of him going a couple of other places that that's a big win for OU. And I think he, I think both these guys are capable of becoming day one starters, but at the very least they are, you know, from day one, they are rotational guys. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And Bob, Bob, I mean, you've yeah. been tracking it and writing the articles kind of, you know, for you, uh, anything in particular stand out just about maybe not just the best guys, but maybe the better stories or the better, you know, past to Oklahoma and Oklahoma's real, maybe their successes on the, on the portal trail. I think it's just interesting how fast things come together. And I, I mean, that's portal life, but you think like Matthew Lee, like, boom, as we were talking during the pod, He's in Norman, and then by Sunday he's committed to the Hurricanes. It's like it's how how quickly a name enters is like oh I gotta watch this, and how quickly it leaves if they don't pick your school. It can just be like a forty eight hour period where you're all in trying to get this kid, and then boom you just got to move on to the next guy. And that's kind of where I want to go with Josh because at receiver there's there's gonna be guys. There's always targets. You could find a receiver in December. You could find him in January. If Walter Rouse from Stanford ends up picking Nebraska, which I think is the bigger threat than Iowa, where would Bill Budenville, where would OU go to try to fill that void? That is the really interesting question. And, you know, there are obviously, like you said, I mean, there's going to be another window open. You wonder if Oklahoma would um look at you know like okay maybe we wait and see if somebody hits the portal in the spring that kind of thing but for me the one that I kind of um and I'm trying to pull him up here real quick because I'm forgetting his name um kid out of Washington uh nope that's not what I'm looking for Vic, uh, uh Vic Kern yeah yes and there is talk of him coming in this weekend for this week for a visit and so I want to see if that comes to pass but I, I think that is kind of the backup plan at the moment. Like that could be the direction they go. And, and he's more of a um, kind of utility offensive lineman. I don't think he's a pure, you know, Rouse has started a whole bunch of games at left tackle. He's a much more natural fit for what OU's trying to do. Um, but I don't know that there is an immediate obvious answer there. I, I wonder if they say, you know, Caden Green's coming in. Let's see him go through spring. Let's see where he could be, if he could be that guy for us. Um, and kind of go in that direction, or like I said, I mean, they, they may have to make some tough decisions or look, you know, again to who maybe emerges out of the portal in the, in the spring it, it with Rouse. I mean, for me guys, I mean, and you, you can certainly weigh in as well. He, I, I know there was some talk on the board that, you know, he'd commented to a Nebraska site that NIL is not that big a part of things for him. I don't, I mean, I don't mean to sound like the Homer here, but I don't understand a lot of situations where you'd pick Nebraska over Oklahoma right now, knowing what you know of those two situations, knowing what you know of Bill Biedenbow and his track record. And the fact that Oklahoma just doesn't have a left tackle ready to go right now. Like if that's not what it is, I don't know what you're basing the decision on. Cause I don't think there's a position on Oklahoma's roster that there is a more clear need for an experienced guy to come in and take the job. It is strange that, you know, it's a guy from Stanford and it seems like 
the emotions are kind of dragging this thing out a little bit. Or at least... He's playing the game. At least He's playing the, the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I hey, get your bag while you can get it, I guess. It definitely sounds like he is... Um, uh, how do we say this? It sounds like the recruitment is you're having to recruit a... Uh, it's not just Walter that people are having to talk to. I think he has a team. Yeah. I think yeah. he has not like representation by any means, but like an advisor and... You know, I think a parent that's involved and, you know, there, there's just a lot of hoops that are having to be jumped through, I guess. But is probably a, the best at, way to say it. At some point, I, you know, and this is probably a biased opinion because, uh, you know, we cover Oklahoma. We see what they do. I mean, they just killed Nebraska last year. No, you wasn't any good. Um, but at some point, the money shouldn't be the differentiator. It should be what's also the best situation. And to me if you can just get close to whatever the money is that Nebraska's throwing around, uh, that's all I would worry about. Because, I mean, to me, and like I said, biased opinion probably, uh, it seems like Oklahoma's the no-brainer, just best destination for a guy with one year. Well, and especially if you're not even going to be on campus for more than six, seven months. I mean, realistically, how long is he going to be even in Norman or Lincoln? It's not going to be very long. Unless you just you believe in Matt and Matt rule, you want to be there as he yeah. sets the foundation that Brent just tried to do this previous season. There's there's some pride in that. Sure, whatever you Nebraska sure. Homer. There, there's one hundred percent a selling point. Okay, so uh, you know it, I know Bob did really. He was complimentary of his trip. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, back to the receivers. Um, you know, I it's. Let's talk about Emma Jones hiring uh, latest on LaDamian Washington. Kind of, you know, we can get into that. But, like, receiver-wise, is it one more guy, basically, that they're after and then it's and then it's done? I mean, it's a great question because you lost four with Theo, uh, Darby, West, and then Mims going to the pros. So, I, I don't, you don't have to necessarily do a four for four, but I, I think you got to get – three but you can't reach to get the third it's got to be someone that you really really want the question that i have and andrew anthony i i I don't i know he's kind of gone back and forth with you a little bit josh he hasn't responded to me yet and i'm just trying to get a feel what were they telling him over the weekend about that position coach were they already starting to mention emmett jones and would it be smarter to go this weekend and say, let's bring in more guys, and they know that Emmett is the guy. Maybe Emmett can even be on campus at this point, and you let him kind of go to work and see what personalities you know fit with his. I get the impression that that Andrew Anthony had a pretty good indication of who the next wide receivers coach might be. Um, I know upon leaving Norman, he had given Emmett Jones a follow um, on Twitter. Um, there were, you know, and that's, that's Stoops bros and Donnie Hazelwood and all their, their research. They spotted that out and pointed it out to me. So I, you know, want to, want to give credit where it's due, but speaking to some people, I, I don't think it was a huge secret because I know, you know, I, I've mentioned to you guys that there were some, there were even some players that were kind of throwing around the, his name a little bit. Like they, they had heard something. So, uh, I, I think Oklahoma was fairly 
you know, uh, I don't know if aggressive is the right word for it, but kind of hinted like, okay, th- this could be the guy. Aren't they? I mean, doesn't it make sense, though, that they are looking for a specific type of receivers with what's left? I mean, outside guys. I mean, you've got young guys like Jaden Gibson. I know a lot of people have asked me questions about him and his future. We saw Nick Anderson a little bit in the bowl game. Uh, you've also got LB Bunkley Shelton, who we saw in the bowl game. Uh, we don't know on J.J. Hester, you know, exactly how productive he can be with the injury this year. Um, I, there's just a lot of guys that, you know, we don't know a whole lot about. But what we do know is, like, guys like Jalil Farouk, uh, Drake Stoops, uh, Gavin Freeman. Like, those are all guys that can do damage on the interior. So, it, it just seems to me like what they're looking for is guys that can get down the field, especially with the way Dylan Gabriel plays. He likes to get the ball down the field. Agreed. I mean, they got to go for, yeah, yeah, they got to go for those type of guys. And and that's where it gets interesting because I, I've, I'm always the one that says you can get a receiver from the portal. No, no, no matter what, there's always going to be one. But when you start looking at a specific skill set and traits that you're looking, then it gets a little bit tougher. Like does, for instance, does Tyrone Broden from Bowling Green, would, does he check the box that you need for what you're looking for. He's a good receiver, but how would he complement the rest of the pieces that go along in the room? And that's where it does get a little interesting, trying to figure out who is that guy in the portal at this moment that is stretching the field, that is being what you need at this very moment. Not, not just a body that's a good receiver that you would just figure out as you go along how to make him work. But someone that you know at this very second, if you had him in your locker room, you knew exactly what position, what role he he that he was going to have to play. And the only guy that you Josh, can say you hit. with success that you know that about is Jalil Farouk, and he's he's a very versatile guy. Though I mean, they get him the ball behind the line of scrimmage, they put him at running back, but he's the only guy that we've seen besides Marvin Mims that really made plays down the field behind the defense. Uh. Guys, I mean, I, again, and I, I think you guys are both talking about a good topic here. Like, you look at how the body types are changing. Look at the receiver room. Like, there's, I mean, three or four guys in that room next year that are going to be sub 6'2". You're going to have Petaway. You're going to have Farouk, um, who's who's a bigger guy than I think people think he is. And then basically Bunkley, Shelton, and Stoops. Like, I mean, there's... This is going to be a basketball team. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the scholarship chart, but you're absolutely right. Gavin Freeman as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, who who by this time next year will probably be on the scholarship chart, right? I would agree. I I, I mean, you think so. Yeah. So basically you have what more that kid could do. All you have in the room is Hester, uh, Nick Anderson and uh, and and Jaden Gibson that are, you know, six, four and up. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got. The freshman, Keon Brown, who's a 6'2", 6'3", guy, big, big physical dude. So, um, and I know talking to some people, you know, uh, while I was, you know, kind of making the rounds of the All-American games, there, I mean, there are a lot of people that are kind of with me that, like, if he can put all the pieces together, he's special. You know, I know people that have seen him live, and it's just kind of, you know, like in games, I've only seen him in the camp setting. Um, Talk about Petaway? That it's just, uh, no, I'm talking about uh, Keon Brown, Keon. Okay, big yeah, guy Brown, from Florida. Okay. Um, and just a, 
physically overwhelming dude. It's just a matter of can he put it all together? Can he be consistent? Because if he can be all those things, I mean, he is a NFL-type skill set. I think as far as, uh, you know, the rest of the, the portal goes, it's going to be fairly interesting. Let's get into the, uh, you know, maybe options there, Josh. I know you wrote some stuff from Oklahoma. We've we've talked, uh, you know, I think that the Bryson Green kid's name from Oklahoma State's uh, a very intriguing name uh, that is out there. And then, you know, what what more work can Emmett Jones do now that he kind of hits the ground running as Oklahoma's wide receivers coach? Guys, I mean, I, I we almost have to start with a, surefire way to ingratiate ourselves with Texas fans. But ever since his names come up, all of a sudden Xavier Worthy and Oklahoma are getting linked up like crazy. And I, I don't see it. That doesn't make any sense to me. But like apparently Jones and Worthy have a pretty good relationship um, going back quite a ways. Uh, so, I, you know, do I think it's anything? No. But I mean, it's almost one of those things like it's so crazy. <laughs> you just kind of got to be like, well, you know, we'll, we'll mention it. But no, um, you know, like you said, Bryson Green, Oklahoma State, I know there's a lot of buzz with him and Ole Miss, and I'm not saying that's not completely possible, but just talking to people, it sounds like he's one of the guys that OU really thinks they can land. They, they think they have a chance with. And I, guys, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's the elephant in the room, but Jaron Bradley, the wide receiver from Texas Tech, I mean, you know, I've mentioned Xavier Worthy. He was the guy, I mean, Emmett Jones recruited him to Tech, has has been part of his, has been his position coach at Tech the entire time he's been there. Guy had a big year. I mean, he was almost top 10 in every receiving category, receptions, yardage, touchdowns. I mean, he was a big piece of that Tech offense last year and obviously only figures to get bigger um, and is a guy that a lot of people feel like it will strongly consider following Jones uh, to Norman. Now, last night you kind of heard like, oh, he, he could be in the portal any minute. And this morning it's cooled down a little bit, but we'll, we'll see if, if he goes in the portal, you have to really like OU's chances. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, tech and their crew that, you know, I know Joey McGuire and those guys, they're going to do everything humanly possible to keep him in Lubbock. By the way, uh, speaking of tech, little, little tangent, Nice to see Alan Bowman come back to life. I thought he was long gone from college I did not football. know he was at Michigan. I didn't either. He's a really good quarterback, I, though. He is. I, I, I've loved that kid since high school. When I saw him go against the Lido and Jason McClellan and all those guys years ago, and he was the only reason Grapevine had a prayer in that game. And uh, he he played well. He really was. I was super impressed with him and am shocked he's been such a journeyman. I thought he'd go to Tech and just light it up. Guys, I thought OU might lose that game when he got the collapsed lung before halftime. Yes. Like, after he got that collapsed lung, they were done. And OU, yes. was, OU came back and won convincingly. But, like, before that happened, like, Tech was – they were really good under him. That yep. was kind of one of those things where they just shuffled quarterbacks and it didn't make any sense. It it feels like Tech's just been playing musical chairs at quarterback for, a, I mean, what, since Mahomes left? I mean, I don't know that they've had a back-to-back -back starter at that position. I mean, I don't mean games, but over like year to year, I don't remember them having a starter since then. 
Yeah, it's been a lot of – I mean, during full – I mean, the same way with Matt Wells. Like, they were all over the place with quarterbacks then. And they have been now, too. So, uh, all right. Um, so, I mean, is that kind of A and B, uh, the tech guy and, and – uh, who was it? Who else were we talking about there? Bryson Green. Uh, yeah, Green. Bryson I mean, Green. Because I mean, those two guys. I mean, I've seen those play. Those guys play enough. I like both of those guys a lot. Especially, so I, mean, I think so. Really, just think like three, four years ago, we were making a stink about transferring within conference. The Baker Mayfield <laughs> no. tribunal no, like that had formed back in the day, and they're trying to take two years of eligibility away from him. Crazy. Uh, it's amazing to see Lincoln Riley willing to take Dorian Singer after all the Chandler Morris, uh, you know, buzz. But now, when they're incoming, it seems to be less of an issue. Was there buzz that Chandler Morris was headed to USC? No, uh, that he didn't oh, want after... to let Chandler Morris transfer to oh, yeah. TCU because they were within conference. But, I mean, obviously now there's not a damn thing he can do about it. But, um that was always such a weird hill to die on, and especially because Chandler's was. dad was, you know, becoming the head coach of one of the most talented programs in the Dallas area. Like you're just like, this is not the war to choose. By the way, you want to touch on speaking of Allen, you want to touch on the whole Michael Hawkins thing? Yeah, that doesn't seem like any way to get us in a bad bad way. Let's let's definitely talk <laughs> some about that. But I mean, how that relates to him, and you know recruiting and college yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, a, it's a terrible story. Um, but man, I mean, what, what a thing for a, a kid to go through, especially, you know, knowing the history with his father and being homeless and growing up. I mean, it's just, it's awful to see that happen to that family. Uh, and it's just like in Allen, like, what are right. we doing Alan? here? Like, what, what? like, I mean, I, I, it shouldn't be anywhere. I want to be clear about that, but like, that's if I was going to pick one of the kind of quietest little nice suburbs like Allen, Texas would have like it, it would have never even crossed my mind that that was a possibility. So, I mean, does that I mean, you know, in, in terms of his recruitment, I mean, is there any idea where he's going to end up landing? I mean, he is now for. At this moment, he is still expected to announce at the end of this month on the 31st. Um, I, it's a very interesting deal because I felt like Oklahoma has wanted him, and obviously they offered him. There's a part of me that thought uh, maybe they'll want him to wait until like April or May and kind of see where everything falls, get to see him in the spring go through the next evaluation period and just kind of get a feel for him because Michael Hawkins is an extremely talented guy, but he's also very raw. Right. So I, I'm kind of interested to see what Jeff Levy's take is on that when he's, you know, in on guys like Michael Van Buren and he's offered the the Florida state quarterback, uh, the drew Coman hook or something like that. Uh, I don't, I have not spoken to him, so I can't tell you how to say his name correctly, but um, there is, 100% um, this feeling that, you know, if Oklahoma's pushing, he's going to go to Oklahoma. Like, that, that that's the general feel that I get. Now, Arkansas is very active, very involved, and I, I wonder if Michael's trying to find out, you know, like, how serious is Oklahoma about me? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I wonder if that's part of the equation here. But for me, I mean, I, 
I would bet on Oklahoma. I don't know that this has any real impact on his decision. Um, what I do think is interesting is it takes him out of Allen, where if he had picked Oklahoma, they've got Zena, Umiazulu, and some other guys that I think over in the coming years Oklahoma would continue to recruit, and maybe he he helps them with that. But as it is, you know, I mean, obviously those relationships are still there, but he's not going to be around those guys every day like he might have been. But I, I want to get to some of the defensive line stuff. Uh, first, I want to remind you guys, uh, PrimeShrimp.com, uh, great, great sponsor of the pod. They've revamped kind of their lineup. They're doing just single-serving uh, uh, packets now instead of the doubles. So uh, they've got all their flavors, including the new New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp. Uh, it's perfect results in 10 minutes or less. You just throw it in boiling water, uh, less than 10 minutes, take it out. You can do it sous vide if you want to do it that way. You can just cook it in the bag in boiling water. But uh, restaurant quality uh, meals in less than 10 minutes, no thawing, no messing around with it. You, know, you don't have to fuss around to get it in there. You just put it in in the, in the vacuum package. Uh, take your garlic or butter, your New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp, French, al- uh, French Quarter Alfredo. If uh, you like the spice, they got the Louisiana Boil Cajun shrimp or the signature Cajun seasoned. Uh, and if you just uh, you know, want to have it unseasoned, do it on your own, you can get the unseasoned pack. But right now, go to primeshrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E, shrimp.com, enter that promo code SOONERSCOOP, and you'll get $20 off your first order. That means, basically, you can get yourself a couple of packs and just pay shipping uh, uh, because each pack is either $11 or uh, $10. So prices have dropped. Uh, new packaging, you can get uh, more variety. So it's, I think it's a really good deal. You got to try it out. A lot of our subscribers, tons of our subscribers have ordered, have been very happy. So go check them out, primeshrimp.com. Use that promo code SOONERSCOOP and get $20 off your order. Okay, now the defensive line, I mean, can we say like the biggest revamp of the offseason is definitely on the defensive line at this point? It had to be. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. <laughs> 100%. I love, you've, you've I love Bob. I love you know, Bob. Well, of course, is... of course, dumbass. <laughs> I mean, it just it would have been a disaster <laughs> if they didn't, right? I mean, like we knew that, Not right? During the season, uh, like they need to attack this, and they did. The no, the number one question that I've gotten, and I think that you know, it's a it's a very it's a it's a simple question, just as far as like. What can be expected just from not only the defensive linemen, but from uh, the the transfer portal guys as a whole? I think the Sam McCulloch and Rondell Bothroyd are kind of that 1A, 1B as far as guys that can from day one, you expect them to step in and be somewhat difference makers on this team. Everybody else is just like they bring experience and you just hope that they can contribute but from a defensive line standpoint, with the four names that are out there as far as uh, guys that are coming in, and you know, with Trace Ford, it's going to be interesting to see what his health situation is uh, at the end of the day. But uh, you would expect all four of them to come in and at least give you some type of contribution, whether it be a Trace Ford or Devon Sears or obviously uh, Jacob Lacey, who I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about because he was the first to go before the season was even over. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about, Josh. Like Jacob Lacey. Is I mean, can you really call him, you know, a guy that could make a difference yet, or is he still too young or you know too inexperienced to really give an idea of what he's going to be next year? I think you might have somebody different in your head than Jacob Lacey. Yeah, he's just got one year. Sorry, 
But I yeah, mean, yeah, the yeah. production no, has no. not been there. I mean, it's like, you know, you don't transfer yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. a stud. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, to me, I mean, the, that's the only part that's concerning. I, If you would have told me coming in that Oklahoma could land guys like Ford and Bothroyd at defensive end, I said, boy, you know, that that's – that's a win. Those are guys that have played a lot of productive football, you know, almost 45 combined tackles for loss in their career with those two guys. Now, both Roy eats up the majority of that, but you have to understand Ford's played so many games where he was just a shadow of himself. Um, I, I think what people have to bear in mind, I think if you're getting the best out of Trace Ford at this point in his career, he is a situational pass rusher they're going to move him around, do some different stuff with him. Um, but if he's having to go out there and take 65 snaps, I don't know that that's the best. I don't know that that's, you're going to get the best version of trace Ford in that situation. Now, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he's fully healthy finally. And you know, whatever, whatever has bothered him in the past is, is kind of there. But uh, to me, I, and I think if you use him that way, you can get a guy that you kind of steal six or seven sacks from. I think Trace Ford is that gifted and that talented. Bothroyd is a, I, I mean, like I said, to me, just looking at what's there, it feels like that guy should start. Like he feels like he should be a starter on this defense and brings a lot to the table. The only part that's concerning to me is the defensive tackle. Like Jacob Lacey is a good, solid player. Like he is a, you know, kind of in that, um, Josh Ellison, uh, Jordan Kelly, you know, he's in that, like he can play good football for you. Is he going to dominate? No, like that. That's not what you're going to get. The Devon Sears kid. I, I mean, I see some talent on tape. I mean, he's quick footed. He's got some athleticism. I think he could maybe, maybe emerge as a pass rushing type of interior guy, but boy, just watching it. I mean, like I, I think OU needs, a guy like Grayson Halton to step up and a guy like Kelvin Gilliam to finally start to be like he was, you know, the, the recruit that they thought he was or Isaiah Coe to become, you know, not just I guys. I, I think he was their best interior lineman by some distance last year, but they need him to be more consistent, be able to take more snaps, be able to be that kind of guy more regularly. And if they can do that, then th that defensive line I don't know if I'd say a strength, but it goes from being a real weakness to being at least a steady group. Yeah, I think that's the unknown for me when managing expectations is like, okay, Jonah Laulu and Jeffrey Johnson had all the experience in the world. They're supposed to be these dynamic difference makers. They were just contributors. So now when you bring in someone like Sears, who wasn't, like all world at Texas state. Like it's not coming in with the pedigree that some of the guys from last year had. It's hard to really try to like, you can't pin your hopes that this is the guy that's getting it over the hump. So you have to sort of and just accept who they are and not put upon them who you want them to be. I, I, you know, Bob, the one thing that kind of buoys my thought on him, he's a junior. Like I understood, like I would understand it if OU took a senior, probably not unlike the Caleb Schaefer kid from Miami of Ohio. Like he's a depth guy. He has experience. Like he brings some good things to the room, but isn't going to necessarily take snaps away from younger, less talent or excuse me, more talented guys. 
the fact that they're willing to take Sears, like they see something. I mean, like they, they think there's something there because there are plenty of other defensive tackles they could have taken um, that only have one year. You don't have to, you know, have that on your your scholarship list for two seasons. I mean, they, they have time, you know, with him both to coach him and both they have to hope that he becomes something because he's eaten up two years of, of a scholarship where they could go get a, another guy like Jacob Lacey that is just going to be there and be gone. And if it doesn't work out, then, hey, no big deal. So I, that's part of it. Like, I'm like, well, maybe maybe they just feel like there's something that hasn't been unlocked or they, they feel like he just needs to get a little bigger or stronger or whatever it is. But I, I wonder if they see something where they think, and I, again, I'm not saying they think he's going to become an All-American, but like, hey, maybe this guy could be a good role player for us. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, development of what they've got. I mean, plus, I, to me, it, it, it screams kind of more just depth and, and being able to throw bodies out there, especially on the interior. Now, like you said, with Trace Ford, he's missed a lot of games because of injury. And, you know, he, he's, his career is very much incomplete, but what we've seen has been really good. And was it 14 ta- sacks in the last two years for both Royd? I mean, that's – that's impressive no matter where you're coming from. And he's, you know, power five. So I think Maybe Corey Robertson's going to turn into an Outland winner. I'd just be happy to see him dress up on game days. I, it is nope. shocking in terms of Portal that he never entered. I, I, think, I think that that was one that we all thought would enter at some point. And maybe he still does. I thought he was maybe, maybe the safest bet on the roster. Yeah. With with some of the stuff that had been said by I, I believe his mother and just boy it didn't seem like they were pleased at all about the situation in Norman. Yeah, he's out there working out and posting workout videos, working out with other people. I mean, it's just like he seems to care. I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. I I, I need to have that frank conversation with somebody. Like, what's the deal? Because there's there's definitely a deal. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's a deal. Because we, I mean, yeah. he is the most perplexing player on that roster, and he has been for a while. Because we've seen him make guys, plays. Yes. And, guys, I mean, for me, I, I really thought he was going to stay and play in the bowl game to get a little tape out there. Like, they were like, okay, well, you know, here's the deal. You stay with us, ride with us, play the bowl game, and then you can enter the portal the next day. We'll help you make it fast, and we'll get video up of you. Like, I, I, I thought like that was going to happen. And, Yes, exactly. And then nothing happened. We have some breaking news. It's nice that we get it during the pod instead of uh, after. I guess this is breaking news. I mean, Eddie, you just put this in the uh, the, the text group, uh, the uh, DM group that we have. LaDamian Washington thinking Sooner Nation says, this has been one of the toughest decisions of my life. Doesn't actually say what the decision is. That seems like a farewell, doesn't it, guys? Oh, no, absolutely, yeah. That's that's sure what it reads like, yep. But, I mean, Josh, I know you've been reporting on this the last few days. Like, is it just – it was it simply, you know, him looking for a position job? Obviously, somewhere, uh, that was the only way he'd be able to stay at Oklahoma. Do, do you think it came down to just, hey, they didn't hire me for the job and it just I, – I don't feel comfortable being here? I mean – I don't know. I mean, My, I don't know how much mm-hmm. that advances your career when you stay somewhere that, that you know failed to promote you. Yeah, I, and you because you wonder, 
what the perception, because I mean, how are other schools going to react to that? Well, he just wants to be a, a staff guy at OU. You know I mean? Like whether that's fair or not, that's how, that's how some will perceive it. Um, what my impression was that probably with the exception of just kind of being in limbo for about the last week to 10 days, I, I, I got the impression that LaDamian, you know, from everybody I've talked to, thought he was handled fairly. Like, they didn't feel like – I don't think there's any bad blood. I, I think he very seriously gave Oklahoma a look from everything I've gathered. Um, and I, I know yesterday about, you know, after the Emmett Jones announcement, and there was, you know, and he put out the tweet of what did I miss while taking a nap. Um, I, I Like I said, I, I, I had gotten the impression that he might be more likely to stay than to go. Um but I, I think, again, I, he's got aspirations, and he knows, you know, for the same reason that Oklahoma probably didn't wasn't ready to hire him, that he didn't have any real experience coaching wide receivers at this level of football, he's got to go get it somewhere. I mean, if he wants to keep climbing the ladder, he's got to go somewhere. So uh, I, like I said, uh, yesterday afternoon, I was leaning toward that he was going to stay. That, that was kind of the impression I'd been given by some people pretty close to it. Um, but at the same time, I, I think maybe someone came in and I know he'd had offers over the last few weeks had come in. So, um, there'd been talk of Western Kentucky. I know Tulsa had reportedly made an offer, or not reportedly, but I had heard had made him an offer. So, um, there were, there were opportunities out there and I'm guessing he just decided to take one of them and, you know, kind of get started with, you know, maybe climbing the ladder and, you know, who knows, maybe ending up, ending up back at Oklahoma someday. Well, and I think, go ahead, Eddie. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think that it can be said enough, just how awkward of a situation he had to be forced into uh, this past season and how much not only the players talked about him, but I think the players' parents appreciated uh, him for stepping in the situation that he did and handling it in the manner that he did. I think everybody kind of gave him rave reviews uh, just as far as, you know, I'm not talking about development or anything like that. I think that, you know, that could be debated, but just from a standpoint of having to fill in for Kel Gundy and the awkwardness that came into that situation, he handled it pretty damn well, all things considered. Well, and it's a totally different thing to think about a scenario where they're going to hire somebody else and staying on staff and then living through that where they did hire a guy. uh, And then you're sitting there realizing like, okay, I didn't get this job. Like, it's a totally different. It's got to be a totally different set of emotions for you. It really kind of crystallizes what your decision should be. Yeah, it's like it's not a knock on Emmett Jones or how he feels about Jones, but yeah, I mean, you and, and at the end of the day, he's just got the sudden. You know, I wanted this spot. It's not mine. Maybe I'm better off. You know, go forge my own path, and then we'll kind of see where. It takes me. And how do you go from being in charge of that room to not being in charge of that room? Like, how's that going to feel with with those guys that you've been developing? Yeah. Yep. By the way, uh, no, Jeff, and it would just you, you would also been wonder if it's easier for the players. Like, is that awkward for them? Sure. Yeah. For the guy they spent a year looking to, now he's on the sidelines, kind of taking, you know, I mean, no other way to say it, taking orders from a different guy. Absolutely. Um, 
DeadSoxy.com. Go check them out. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. New standard in socks. That's what GQ says. Uh, they are premium socks made for the hustle. They got the True State technology. Uh, game-changing True State technology keeps your socks in place. Uh, flat seams, buttery soft. I mean, that fabric is light as a feather. Uh, you get the team colorways. Uh, you can go for some bundles. You can get uh, the uh, no-show socks uh, if you want. Lots of different options for dress socks and uh, go check them out. More and more, uh, you know, patterns and, and styles being released all the time. Uh, and like I said, go use that promo code Sooner Scoop. Uh, you'll get twenty five percent off even sale items. Um, so uh, load up that shopping cart. Use that Scoop uh, code code Scoop and uh, get you a nice little discount there at DeadSoxy.com. Uh, just fantastic product. We all have them, wear them, love them. Uh, DeadSoxy.com. Go check them out uh, now at uh, at the website. And uh, as always, stay soxy. Okay, so you know, outside of this, you know, just waiting to see what else happens. I keep getting asked this question by the guys at the radio station. Uh, like, w- you know, we talked about um, uh, Corey Roberts- Robertson and anyone else that you're you're kind of keeping an eye out for out there that that could enter the portal before this is all said and done. It would go back to the Aguebu situation. There are some seniors like a Jaden Davis or a Marcus Stripling that have exhausted their eligibility but now have the COVID year option just like David. Do they come back for another year or do they hit the portal? Have they, you know, is their time in Norman up? Like they don't know what else they could do if they stayed in Norman. So those are kind of guys I there's three it Jordan Kelly's another one, but I, I think he's staying. I just don't know if he's ever going to announce he's actually staying. But Jaden Davis and Marcus Stripling, I could easily see their vantage point saying, it's been nice, it's been real, but for this final year, I want to go somewhere where I think I'm going to play a heck of a lot more. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I, Jaden Davis, like, I just think of him as a guy that's really come on strong late later in his career. Like, started out good, went through a rough spell, uh, and just seems like a guy that's starting to figure it out a little bit. Like, and plus, you know, we've talked, I mean, even back to Zoom days, when we talked to Jaden Davis, he was like a breath of fresh air. Like, he is, oh, he's a he tremendous. is so bought in to this team and his teammates. To all his teammates. Yeah. You need, no, he'll, you need a teammate he'll sit and talk about his teammates a lot more than he'll talk about himself. Yes. I'd be surprised to see him leave just because of our interactions with him over the years. But you don't know what's going through a guy's head. You mean just because he likes you so much, he's going <laughs> to hang around for a year just so he can talk some more to you? I'm, I'm a likable guy. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> uh, guys, the, the one that I have always wondered about, just because like at various points in his career, we've always heard, like, oh, this guy, like this could be his spring. Like this could be the year. And it's just never happened. And that's Marcus Alexander. There have been multiple times when you thought, like, okay, maybe he's going to go take a guard spot. I thought last year was going to be the year. And then they brought in McCade, and they, you know, it just, it never really happened for him. And now you've got young guys like Jake Taylor and Savion Bird, and he doesn't seem part of the long term plan. And so I just kind of like, what, at some point, what are you waiting for? Because he could go transfer and I believe have two years because he could use his COVID year as well. So it, it just, at some point, you're like, man, I don't you want to just go compete and go go have a chance to play somewhere? 
I know this is driving Bob crazy because they haven't updated the roster. <laughs> but, like, do we even know if Bray Walker plays football anymore at this point? I mean, he played the bowl game, you know, and and then we heard he's in the portal and we went through that whole song and dance last year, too, and then he came back. It, it's, it's, it's odd when you get to those fourth and fifth-year players and has their priorities in life changed from when they entered as freshmen? Is it more about... I want to graduate. I want to be with my buddies, and that's good enough for me. Or is it still, I want to play. I want to go somewhere where I can start, where I can show what I can do. So you, you just never know, like, how your mindset changes, you know, three, four years later compared to when you were, like, a top 100 recruit, you know, coming in as a uh, freshman. Well, you know, we see these guys all the time that are coming up, you know, guy like Caleb Schaefer, you know, went to Miami of Ohio and he goes to Oklahoma and it's just like, holy hell, you know, what am I looking at here? It's just a, it's a different sport. Well, the same thing, you know, Bray Walker goes to A&M, goes to Oklahoma, goes and looks at all these major programs, comes into the portal. And I'm guessing his opportunities are, you know, of a much lesser variety. And I think it's probably hard to be like, I've had this for four or five years and now I'm going to go that just so I can play. I mean, like, I, I'm sure there's a give and take to that because I would think most guys, especially a guy like Bray Walker, is pretty honest with himself that the the NFL's probably not in the future no matter what choice he makes next year. Um, so what does that look like? What, what, what does that mean? Um, I, I Like I said, it's just – it's interesting. And I was talking to a, a coaching buddy the other day, and he was just saying that – a lot of these guys go in there and they just expect everybody's going to start calling. And then all of a sudden they, it's a trickle and they can't go backward and they're just kind of out there in limbo forever. I mean, then we've, we've all seen that. I mean, Oklahoma still got several guys that went into the portal that there's been no word on. So I, I don't know. I mean, like the, the, some of these guys, I, I feel like could find a landing spot, but some of them, man, like they go in there and, kind of expect it to be like it was out of high school and it's just not those days anymore well they don't Josh, you kind of insinuated it at the you kind of insinuated it at the time but i've been i, I don't know what i thought the act was but I'm kind of shocked we've heard nothing on the clayton smith front yeah that that was interesting because i mean i i talked to some people and you know i mean the guys he was a former five-star. He had offers from a ton of big-time programs. Really came down to Oklahoma and Texas. And I, I wonder if maybe the the market isn't what he thought it was going to be. And I don't mean that as a shot at Colin. He, or, uh, Colin. Sorry, reading reading something else. Um, I, I, I just don't think that um, there was a lot of landing spots for him. Because I know some... G5 programs that I that I kind of thought maybe would get involved that I, I don't think were that interested. So I don't know if that door is open for him to come back. I mean, there were a lot of nice words said about him. I know Miguel Chavis was was very complimentary when he left, but I, I've got to think OU's thinking, man, we're we're building going forward, and we replaced Clayton Smith with Trace Ford, and we like our spot in that trade. And so uh, I don't know. Like I I think and. I, my hope is that more guys will see this and start to think, oh, okay, maybe I've got to dig in and work here. And I know people, that's kind of an old take, and I know that you know not every guy leaves because it's about the work. 
But there are some guys that it's not about your talent, man. Your talent's not what's holding you back. The coaching staff's not holding you back. Like you've got to do it day in and day out. And I think when the portal's out there, sometimes it makes it tough for guys to, you know, kind of make that step. Well, even even more so on just a commentary, just as far as, you know, I, I think what is specifically happening in Norman, I, I don't know if you guys saw Alan Kenny's tweet. Um I think it was yesterday. It was on the 10th talking about David Awegbu being the 13th defensive player that had been recruited by OU's previous staff to end the transfer portal in the last two years. Of those 13, do you guys have any idea how many of those ended up at P5 programs? Yeah, because we talked was about this two, yesterday. wasn't it? I, I saw the Fields, two. It was two, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. And one yeah. was Pat. <laughs> it, was, it was two. And one's Pat, who was a grad transfer and went to Stanford. And that made a bunch of sense in the whole world. It's like, there's, it's very obvious that from an evaluation standpoint and even more so from a development standpoint, things just they, – they weren't good. They, they haven't been good. Yeah. I mean, and you, you look, you know, where they're pulling from. I mean, you know, we talked about Andrew Anthony, guy from – you know, and I know that's offensively, guy from Michigan. But even on the defensive side of the ball, you went and got Indiana, you know, a guy from Indiana, a guy from Wake Forest um, – you know, a guy from Notre Dame. I mean, you're, you're talking about places that play play some defense and have, you know, coaches that are respected on that side of the ball. And I I have to think that's a good sign. You know, Trace Ford at Oklahoma State. You know, it's been the last few years, um, you know, under Jim Knowles. So the, there is plenty to to like about what they're doing in the portal. And I think it does speak well of some of the evaluations they're starting to make because – Guys, and I mean, not to get me on a tangent, I'll be quick here, but, you know, you go back to the Kirby Smart comments made last year after the Florida game when he said, you know, 25, you know, 50% recruiting, and that's what I love to latch on to, but he also said 25% of its evaluations. Like, so it's not just about, oh, you go and recruit the best guys. Like, you go and report, they go, I mean, Georgia goes and finds Jordan Davis. It was a three-star. Nobody was over the moon about Jordan Davis and turn him into a first-round pick. Like, they're it's not just landing the elite guys because you're not not every guy in your class is going to be a rivals 250 or better guy like you're going to have some guys where you have to trust your ability to evaluate and I, I think it's pretty clear that that was lacking at times under the previous regime well and to me it was kind of that continuation of you know what was happening under Mike Stoops which is guys would start you know their careers play well get progressively worse and then just get passed over by another set of new guys that played well, got progressively worse, and then got passed over. Like it was, it was a, <laughs> I mean, it was a trend. It was a, it was a circle. It was. It was it I mean, absolutely was that. I mean, to me, that speaks about coaching and, and development too. I mean, that's the thing you can't forget. Besides evaluation, like even guys that were recruited highly, they never got better. They always got progressively worse, and then they lost confidence, and then the defense was terrible. Like, and that's, to me, that's the, when I say I feel good about the direction things are going, it's just like with Woody Washington. Remember how terrible he was in the TCU game? And then the bowl game, I saw him make one of the best pass defenses that anybody's made in years at Oklahoma, where the guy literally caught the ball, but he had his hand in between his hands and just stripped it out of there before he could finish the catch. I, I'm convinced, like, Woody's girlfriend broke up with him that week or like <laughs> something happened. Like, cause 
I, whatever, like Woody has ne- like I'm not saying he's he always never makes been that every bad, play, no. but he's never looked like that. Lost. Like that was yeah, weird. Like, like something yeah, lost, looked clueless. off. But and even though you know, I know people. You know, we had a lot of talk about the Justin Broyles catch given up to Wilson and stuff. Like, but he was serviceable. I mean, he was. We all know he's not the most talented guy in the world. He runs like a four eight. Like, but it's not like they even hit him. They just got him. They knew that you know he would do what they told him to do for the most part. His athleticism would let him down at times, but he wasn't terrible. I mean, he got he got his best year. The best year we saw of, of Broyles was this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I know um, nobody probably there, there were definitely that, solid but, moments. Um, so, and and you know and, we talk about Jaden Davis. Like I thought he got better. You know since the staff has come in. I don't know. Uh, probably with the exception of the DJ Graham should have dropped the interception against Nebraska. I'm not sure as I have been as just dumbfounded at the response of people that think Justin Broyles or any other damn corner on the planet was making that play against Johnny Wilson. Like. That's not happening, guys. That's not it, – it's physics deny that as a possibility. <laughs> perfect throw, like, and I, perfect I don't, catch, I, yeah. Yeah, it I don't care if Patrick Sertan. He wasn't making that play. Well, I mean, it's like people think that the defensive backs at Georgia and Alabama don't ever give up plays. No, watch Keely Ringo. He gives up plays all the time. Watch – Sertan gives up plays. Remember what uh, – CeeDee Lamb did to CeeDee Sertan. Lamb destroyed Oh, my God. I yes. thought he would never recover after that bowl game. Hey, Kerry, how was that national championship game? How'd that go? I knew I knew this was coming. I was ready. It's on the <laughs> Rolodex to talk about. I mean, look, I mean, you lose by 58. That's not just about a team being that much better than another. That It's a lot about one team not showing up. And I said this afterwards. Like, the day, the game, after the game, the post game, all that stuff – you could tell the difference in those in those two programs. It's like Sonny Dykes knew that he he was a hero at you know in in Fort Worth and will be for a very long time for getting a team to a national championship. If Georgia had lost that game, it would have been the end of the world for TCU. It was a wow, we had a hell of a year moment after it was over with. They got beat by fifty eight. They were not ready to play that game, especially after hearing Kirby Smart's uh, pregame speech. Like they were facing something that they did not know existed, which is a very talented team, a much more talented team that was more motivated, was 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 more fired up, and they got run over by a, by a train. I mean, they the, the the worst thing that happened to TCU might not have even been TCU's doing outside of you know, and Bob, you've said this, uh, you know, not having a running back at full strength was the wake-up call that Ohio State kind of offered for Georgia. And I think that that played right into Kirby Smart's hands. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was the time to get them. And it didn't th- happen. No one would have played Georgia within 20 points on Monday. No, I, I do agree with that. The, the, that G- Ohio State didn't get Georgia's best shot. TCU got everything Georgia had. And, <laughs> and the worst some. part for yeah, the worst part for TCU was that, you know, like you'd seen some games like that early in the year, like Oregon. Kirby just called off the dogs off of his buddy Dan Lanning, and plus he didn't have any reason, like he had a whole season to go through. There was no reason to hold anything back on Monday night. Like just let it go. Let it fly. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're still running our offense, and it may be the second team in there, but TCU wasn't beating Georgia's second team that night. Like there's no way. 
that 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 was so lopsided and just out of control and uh, it, you know I, it was funny i missed i was at um i was at one of my kids uh classes and i get back and literally tcu's punching it in and it's 10 7 i was like oh shit okay maybe this is going to be interesting for a little while because there was never a doubt in my mind Georgia's going to run away with that game. But like, I was like, maybe for a half, TCU could make this interesting. And then it's like 35 straight points. Holy shit. Okay. So it, it was just unbelievable. I'll have you know, though, Josh, by the way, at the radio station, I was the only person that picked Georgia to cover. There Man, were like eight I, other people that picked TCU to cover that spread. God, I, I hate to always be the one that's like, it's it's not the scrappy underdog man. That's not who wins. That's that's not who gets Cinderella in this story. It doesn't work like yeah, that. Yeah, because it it, um, it takes away from your Twitter fighting about how five stars matter. I, I mean, that's your I, brand. You're you cannot go against your brand. I get it. Like, but you're forced yeah. into this situation where you have to tell everybody that Georgia is going to kick the living shit out of anybody that they play because especially when it's an underdog team with like 17 four and five stars total on their roster. And for all the people that want to argue with it, I'm usually right, just because you're always right. Better. It's it's it is, but you know why people argue with it? Because no one else has the five stars that Georgia and Alabama do. Nobody does. <laughs> and they it, and, and it, for it, them it to admit that, that it matters can, is them admitting that they'll never win a national championship, and they're never going to do that. Yeah, it's fatalistic. They don't want to have to accept that your your fate's pretty much sealed here. Like. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing that is not, you know, um, or, you know, it, it's not amazing. And I know people say, well, what about Texas and A&M? And I get that. I, like I say, every time, just because you have those players doesn't guarantee anything, but I can guarantee you, you can't stand toe to toe with Georgia and Alabama. If you don't have those players, if you don't believe me, ask the two teams that played for the big 12 title this year, they both got massacred by teams that are just far, far more talented than they are. Do you think that USC would have played them closer just from having Caleb Williams? They would have scored some points. They would, yeah. They, Never yeah, would have been in they, doubt, they, but yeah. It yeah. would have been oh, a yeah. lot like all of Lincoln Riley's playoff appearances except for wow. Georgia. It would have been they got behind big, kind of made a game out yep. of it, but eventually were never really in it. Correct. Yeah. Probably – Probably somewhere between the Alabama Orange Bowl and the LSU Peach Bowl. Like something like, oh, yeah, you scored some points, and yeah, you can, you know, but you know you were never winning this game. Okay, but see, here's the, here's the problem that people have with your approach on that whole thing when you get into this argument every year on Twitter. You're basically <laughs> telling people that Santa Claus isn't real. I mean, that's a, you have no tact, no bedside manner. It's just you saying, well, where do you think the presents come from? Like, like, how do you think he yeah. fits down the chimney? It's impossible. Like, it, it can't happen. Like, I, I know the kids listen to this show because they're the, Santa is real. I'm telling you. Um, I'm just saying Josh is the guy that, you know, tries to tell you he's not. Um, people want to believe in the underdog. They want to believe in Cinderella. And you basically say, no, nah, no, nah, Cinderella doesn't exist. There's no underdog. Hand up. Hand up. I, I talked myself into thinking that TCU could find a way. I thought this was just one of those special seasons that they were going to be able to put everything together and at least give us a game that maybe was within doubt in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I, I figured that Max Duggan and those guys would have some trouble offensively against Georgia, uh, Georgia's defense. 
the the biggest difference to me was just what Georgia's offensive line did to TCU. I mean, it was it was men versus boys. It, it truly was men versus boys in watching Georgia's offense against TCU defensively. But here, Eddie, this is this is my take on this whole thing. It's like we talk about the four and the five stars, and five stars don't matter. And Texas A and M is proving that. Guess what? Georgia and Alabama are the only two play, and this is why I feel so not confident, but good about Brent Venables being at Oklahoma because he understands this and Clemson understands this. You have to be a football factory. Like, you have to have players that come in that are five stars that say, I am here to go to the NFL to be the first-round pick to win national championships because that's what is expected of this place. And no matter what I've done in high school, once I walk through those doors, there have been a hundred other players just like me that have had to work their asses off to get where they want to go. Vers- like Georgia and Alabama now have that built into their program. I think Clemson has that to some extent as well. But like USC doesn't have that. Oklahoma hasn't had that. Like you get you see all these people like Texas doesn't have that. Like it's more like coddling the five star AM, same thing, like coddling those guys, saying, you know, we're just happy to have you here. Uh, you know, thank you for coming here. Uh, we recruited our butts off. Let's go. Let's go play some good football. Like, no, that's not what Alabama and Georgia are about. They are about a system that that will bring you in, and whatever you've done doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're a five star anymore. And that's what I think Oklahoma can get to under Brent Venables if they continue to do better than six and seven. Well, the the thing that's the most amazing to me with Georgia is just how hungry they seem to be. And it it's not all talk. It's like they're at Georgia and anything but domination is such so far beneath them. Yeah. It, it's almost like Georgia and Alabama are hungrier than everybody else when they shouldn't be. Guys, like how many been, how many everything? How many football teams would have a player on their team that would record that Kirby Smart? pregame speech and release it on their own because they wanted to transfer because they were unhappy they weren't playing. That would happen in more programs than not. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I, we saw I don't know about recording. Like, the most amazing thing to me was after the game when those guys were talking about uh, how everybody thought that they were going to go seven and five when we know that the, <laughs> the truth out there, that there's hardly anybody that thought that they would lose two games let alone five but it's just like they are so mentally bought into the program and what kirby's doing and obviously what nick saban's doing even though they came up short this year i don't know it's like the mentality with those two programs right now is just so far greater than anybody else out there they they do such an outstanding job drowning out all the noise like like because again i assume that somewhere in their brains they actually believe there were people that thought they were going seven and five this year when we all knew georgia's got a good chance to win the national title as any team in the country like basically alabama and ohio state were the preseason favorites by a nose and i but i mean they do they they turn it they they can internalize all this stuff and it just makes them incredibly dangerous uh and you know carrie was talking earlier about you know, tech, you know, how Georgia and Bama and their guys come in and they're hungry and they know the expectation. They know what the standard is. 
it's what Brent Venables talked about in one of those very first press conferences. The, you know, the thing we go back to a lot, recruiting your own problems. Like A&M and Texas recruited guys that almost immediately got it, or, you know, and not so much Texas in the last couple of years. I think Sarkeesian's done a better job of this. But definitely Jimbo Fisher in the last couple of years recruited guys that were super talented, but everybody knew, like, if things go sideways, that dude can be a problem for you. And they just kind of said, it's going to be fine. We're going to do whatever we're going to do, and it, it'll all work out. Josh, it's, it's kind of like – here's a perfect example. Zach Evans, Alabama-Georgia talent, mm-hmm. but not Alabama-Georgia attitude. Yep. Yep. And it's why you ended up at TCU, like which is no – I don't mean that as a shot at TCU, but it's clearly a step down. And for his talent, TCU is willing to take that risk. Alabama's like, we'll find another you. We're not worried about like you're a good player, but we get five star running backs every year. What what are we sweating you for? Um, so I, it is. I mean that that's a perfect example. And there are lots more where Alabama's just like, we're not messing with that dude. And even and the the thing about it is, is once you have that culture established, once that guy gets to Alabama, you're not going to have those problems because the other guys could be like, knock it off, dude. You're line. nobody yeah. special. Yeah, I mean it's it's look, Texas uh, TCU is not on that level. You know, the, the, if anybody's going to take a downturn, it would be TCU. I mean, uh, it's kind of like you know Oklahoma banged its head to get into the college football playoff for so many years. What Georgia did was they did the same thing. They almost lost to OU in that sugar in the uh, Rose Bowl, but they got to the national championship game where they lost. Uh, but they kept banging their heads against the wall. And trying to break through and knowing, okay, we ha- we've seen the best. We have to do this, this, and this to get better. When Oklahoma was doing that, like, we've seen the best, but they didn't do the things needed to get better, which was, one, get rid of Mike Stoops, two, just get better on defense, recruit better, develop better. Like, and they continued to be that team that Michigan is, that Ohio State is, that they, they keep getting there, but they're not kind of learning lessons of, this is what we need to do to be those guys or being able to take the steps, that next step to be those guys. George is the team that's done it. They, they're the, and, and you think about it, like all the, 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 the Nick Saban disciples that have gone out there and failed, like Kirby's the first one to succeed. And I don't know, you know, why that is compared to why the other ones failed, but obviously they spend more money than anybody on recruiting uh, support staff. Like, they're insane, and that's what Brent's trying to do at Oklahoma, and Joe's kind of letting him do it. But, you know, that's the thing that makes me feel okay about Oklahoma football is at least they have someone in here that, that understands the blueprint. Now, they've got to get to the college football playoff it was us. And, and get that motivation in their entire program to get better and to be Alabama, to be Georgia. So they've got some steps to go, but I think they can get there. Kirby also walked into a pretty good situation at Georgia. It's not like that thing oh, was sure. actually depleted. He took over from Mark Rick, and it's kind of like what Brent took over at Oklahoma in a way. I'm not I'm not comparing the two because obviously the fertile recruiting ground that you have uh, close to Athens and then obviously – but just from a program that is trying to go from good to great is kind of, you know, the 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 moniker that, that has been used in Norman – there are some parallels as far as what Mark Rick had built and what Kirby inherited into what Bob slash Lincoln had built into what Brent's trying to get at Oklahoma. Well, and you also have to realize too, like 
the rise of Georgia has coincided with the fall of Florida State and Florida and teams in that region. Like, their their rise has, has been partly due because they've taken the players that those other schools were getting. Uh, just like Alabama, you know, their I don't. I'm trying to think of who, you know, took the fall. But basically, Clemson. I mean, all those guys are in that same region with all the same players. We haven't seen somebody outside of that region really take hold yet. You know, whether I think there's enough talent for Lincoln to do that USC, uh, you know, Texas or Oklahoma has the talent to do that. Miami has the talent to do that. But there's only a few schools, Josh, I think, that have the ability to, to get on that level out there right now. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, there's just not many schools – that can pool the kind of talent. And I, and I say it all the time, and I don't think people hear me when they talk about like, oh, look at the 2000 team. They didn't have all the four and five stars. Look at that Florida State team they played that was supposed to be so much better than OU, was a huge favorite in that game. All the things you want to talk about, they had something like eight like first or second round picks in the next four drafts. The Georgia team that won the national title last year had five in the first round last year. <laughs> like, it's not the same thing. And people have to understand that the talent is pooling at places much more than it did a long time ago because these kids are more and more willing to go national. Like, the kids from California, you know, Brock Bowers is willing to go to Georgia. Or, you know, Caleb Williams is willing to come to Oklahoma. Or, you know, what, however you want to, whatever guy you want to use an example, these guys are more transient than they used to be with their signing classes. Now, it's still a big advantage to be close to home, but it's not the only thing anymore. So there is, there's no question that you have to be, you have to be near a Georgia. You have to be near a Florida. You have to be near a Texas, a California. You have to be near a massive recruiting bed, in my opinion, to consistently compete. Don't get me wrong. You can have the anomalies where, you know, a, a team just pops up, has an elite quarterback come to their program. Maybe he's from in-state, whatever. And then he can almost mitigate some of the differences. But you've got to have that kind of guy. Like, that. that's the only way you're going to consistently, or excuse me, that's the only way you're going to get on that level. And to me, to consistently do it, you have to be – very close to major, you know, recruiting grounds. All right. Um, let's just talk about, you know, outside of transfer portal. Um, you know, you see, we've talked a little bit about this uh, with Michael Hawkins, but you're starting to see some 2024 quarterbacks fall out there. Uh, obviously, everybody's still kind of uh, in Jackson Arnold land, but like wh what – you know, I, I know you, you've seen coaches kind of be on social media saying, hey, 2024 starts now. But what is kind of the blueprint moving forward for, for 2024 recruiting and beyond? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, we've talked about it every year. You know, when you get your quarterback early like Oklahoma did with Jackson Arnold, that's amazingly uh, – that's just a great thing for your program. That's a great opportunity to – let him be because he's the ringleader. You, you get to try to build the class. Now with Jackson Arnold, you had a guy that was well known, had played in some state championship games. Michael Hawkins is well known in like camp settings and those kind of things. So I'm not sure if he is OU's quarterback in this class. I'm not sure what kind of bounce that's going to give OU. Um, but he clearly knows a lot of these guys being, like I said, a product, you know, we talked about it already being an Allen, Texas guy. He's played a lot of great players, been a, you know, played Geyer last year. So there is a lot of reach there. 
but from there, I mean, quarterbacks are like usually the first domino and stuff you like start that. Yeah, ball. I mean, like you know, all that starting and and when does it kind of mm-hmm. get going in earnest in your view? I you know I would say because I mean guys we're like a week and a half away from the first rounds of junior days really getting going January twenty first uh, that's going to be Texas and there's somebody else the only bad news oh you pick January twenty eighth which is also Clemson Alabama and somebody else so there there are some big ones on that weekend so you're going to have some of this. Um, where you know Oklahoma's got another one coming, so you know guys that miss in January may come in in March. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some little more impromptu things in February as well. So um, that sounds like you're, March, you're, though. Like, yeah, show me you're invested in my program, in our program. Yep. Show up yep. to this one. That they are. I mean, and that that's one of the fun things. Like once you start seeing guys come in without offers there's a pretty good chance they're going to get an offer. Like Brent just wants to see you, you extend your, like you make your interest clear. You're willing to make the drive up or you're willing to fly in or whatever it may be. You're willing to come here and look at us. We're, we're going to go in that direction. So I think that is, um, uh, that's going to be really interesting. Now, like, like you said, with, from there, once you usually you have your quarterback and again, I think for OU, Michael Hawkins is in play. I think Michael Van Buren is very much in play, and I, I like him a lot. I'm I'm a big Van Buren guy. He impressed yeah. the heck out of me yep. at camp last year. Uh, plays for a big time program in St. Francis there in Maryland. Would would only help OU recruit that program more and more. Um, so that'll be interesting to kind of follow. Now, obviously, with no Shane Beamer, Caleb Williams on the roster, Oklahoma doesn't have the connections it once did into the DMV area, but. I still think he seems very interested. And I, my impression is Jeff Levy is giving him, you know, plenty of attention. So watch that. And then from there, I think you start to see some of the, the more known names start to fall. Like the, the guys that everybody thinks are going to this school or that school. Then you start to see that build, you know, like maybe you, maybe you do see a David stone decision between Michigan state and Oklahoma. Maybe you see Peyton Pierce, make a decision because I know he wants to be done by by the summertime. Uh, Nigel Smith, the big defensive, line, defensive lineman from Melissa that I think OU probably leads for right now, Rivals 100 guy. Um, you start putting those pieces together. And, I mean, again, if you start off with Hawkins or Van Buren, I don't really care which, and then you can add in Stone, Pierce, and Smith, you're running. I mean, like the, then all of a sudden you really have a chance to put together the kind of class you need. And with Smith and Stone – you you might have your defensive tackles of the future. I mean that that's what your interior of a defensive line is going to be about for the next three or four years with with two guys that talented. All right, guys. Anything else you wanted to hit on with portal or recruiting before we uh, kind of move on and close this thing out? It's just interesting because the dead dead period is going to end Friday morning, and so trans the. Transfers can make visits, but now we get into February signing day visits too. I don't think OU is going to do much this this weekend. I don't think a lot of schools will do much. I think once the portal window closes next Thursday, then coaches can kind of go back and see if there are any last minute guys they want to try to add to the Feb to the February signing class. But I think that's we're we're adding another layer to it. We we're almost done with the portal, but now here comes the 
second wave for signing day. All right. Um, so we, we touched on it earlier uh, in the podcast, but Sooners lose to Kansas. They're now 1-3 and three in conference play. Uh, and their one win comes against Texas Tech, who just got murdered last night, um, which is a little concerning for Tech. Um, but, I mean, Bob, it kind of comes out to me like, can't lose home games, man. I mean, I know it's hard to go yep. back. You start at home 0-2, uh, and it's almost like you wish that this team wouldn't have started out uh, at home with two games because now they realize how damaging those two losses are. Yeah, you play little revisionist history like, oh, Iowa State's much better than we thought, so maybe we're not as down in the dumps about losing that one as we felt let, you know, last Wednesday night when it actually happened. But you, to see the psyche of this team, we're going to find out Saturday, 11 a.m., West Virginia, who's been struggling, a OU crowd that I don't expect to set any records. A, a lot of people just kind of like, ugh, so close, but they can't get it done. So I don't know if I want to go and, and and be there and see this type of team in action once, you know, once again. But this is a week, you know, a little stretch here. They need to go 2-0. and They need to be 3-3. Three and three. I, Winning Bedlam and Stillwater is never easy. But you've got to make up for what you've, you know, done wrong here, whether it's the Sam Houston game, whether it's losing to, at home, uh, Texas Cyclones to start the conference season. You've got to pick up wins that you didn't expect. You did it Saturday in Lubbock, Tech in overtime. That I think a lot of people, myself included, saw an 0-4 start very realistic heading in for conference play. So you got one of them, but you need to get another. And if you can take care of business Saturday against Mountaineers, and then win Bedlam and Stillwater, you start feeling good about yourself again. Uh, you asked about it, uh, but uh, Joe Bamisil, um, obviously a guy that a lot of people wondered, okay, what's going on there? He was, t- you know, Ballyhooed is a big transfer get. 16 uh, points per game at George Washington. And he's a no-show yeah. so far this season. So uh, what did you take out of kind of uh, Porter Moser's response to your question about where is Joe Bamisil? Dude, you just need to keep getting better and be ready when your name is called. But right now, it is not being called. And yeah, it seemed, you know, something Porter kind of said going into the Florida game, if I remember right. It's like between Joe and CJ Nolan and Otega, one of them's going to emerge and step up. It was CJ. CJ's been that guy. He's played incredibly, you know, much better compared these last two weeks compared to probably the rest of his career at OU. So he's turned that corner. It's up to Otega and Joe to mentally figure out what they have to do to get to that spot. Because right now, it's CJ. And the way he played last night, the way he attacked the rim, that's going to get him more opportunities. That's going to get the trust from Porter to be out there even more. And so you you can't be down in the dumps. You, You can't lament about the chances you're not getting. Instead, figure out the way that you can get some more. And that's going to be curious to what you can see. Okay, okay, I'm a freshman. I've got time. I can figure it out. But you're Bamisil. You've been in Virginia Tech. You've been at George Washington. What is his mentality? What's his mindset at this point at his third school where I'm sure he thought him and Sherfield were going to be the one-two combo? What's his motivation, his 
psyche at at this uh, at at this point. Is Uzon taking over? Like the, everything is just. I'm sorry. Is Uzon taking over the point guard spot after Kansas? Because he played well. No, what they yeah, trying he, to do is just limit the usage rate for Grant because he was clearly exhausted physically, mm-hmm. mentally after the first two months of the season and always having to be that guy. Like when you're having to will yourself to wins against like South Alabama, like what's that going to mean when you got to go to Lawrence, Kansas and play the Jayhawks? Like that was a troubling sign that you needed him to like, you know, take over, take us home as the way Porter would uh, phrase it. Like those are games you needed to be winning by 15, 20 points so that you had an idea of all the guys you could trust going into conference play. Instead, you're just, you know, just barely getting by. So now these players that you were hoping were playing 30 minutes are playing 35 to 38, and that cannot last. And so they're trying their best to get Lowe's, to get Bijan, to have the ball more so that Grant has just a little bit more in the tank when you get into those final five minutes. I thought it, it worked for the most part, but Lowe's got tired. Lowe's looked exhausted from all the work that he had to do. So that's just going to be a balancing act that Porter's going to have to navigate usage rate for those those guys and try to make them as fresh as they possibly can be those final two, three minutes. Sorry, Eddie, to cut you off there. Oh, no, you're it, it's fine. It's just like, I don't know. It, the, the, it, I, I think it's certainly frustrating, but then you step back and you realize that you know, and and this isn't going to make anybody feel better about the situation. You've lost three games by less than seven points combined to three ranked teams, uh, and you could be three and one in one of the toughest conferences in the country, if not the toughest conference in the country. It just, uh, you know, it's kind of funny to look up this morning and they're up to 29th in the net rating, but you're one and three in conference and you feel like the entire world's falling in or the entire season's coming to an end four games into conference play. It just uh, there, there's no uh, breath of fresh air in this conference, and they're going to have to figure out a way to, you know, like Bob said, get back to uh, at least three and three if you can, if you can somehow swing the next two games and uh, kind of get your head back above water. Because right now it feels like everything is kind of, uh, it, it kind of feels like they're drowning in a, in, a, in a sense. And there's other like Baylor's in the same situation. They're zero and three. West Virginia's zero and three. It's not just OU like it's taken a toll on a lot of teams in the conference and it's just about how quickly can you bounce back or who's going to be that team or teams that just fall off like West Virginia did last season because they were right in the mix around this point last year and then finally just the bottom fell they had nothing left in the tank they couldn't keep fighting every single game you know is, is that what we're going to see or is there going to be a team or two that just drops off or do we literally have just dogfights every single night? Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 they have to be able to figure out something to get more out of the front court, specifically with Oklahoma and, and Tanner Gross. He's just been awful. Like, I'm I'm at the point right now where I just want to see more Sam Godwin and you live with uh, the results. Because I don't know if I can take watching Tanner Gross fumble the basketball around more. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it might drive me insane. What's interesting is you know you can trust Sam Godwin for like a five-minute stretch. Could you go with him for like a 10- to 12-minute stretch? And I don't – we might be on the verge of finding that out, but it's a heck of a lot different mindset and endurance and all all that from just 
give us five minutes of great energy and do what you do compared to, okay, now you're going to be playing like 12, 12 minutes, pace yourself, make sure you're still, you know, as fresh as you need to be in the 12th minute as you were in the uh, first minute. So uh, again, just a, a lot of lineup issues that Porter Mojo is going to have to address and, and how to try to get the best like scoring lineup when you get down to the stretch. Cause it just seems like the last five, five minutes. I know he laments about the defense and the way that they've been, you know, breaking down in the last four or five minutes. But a lot of the flip side of that is they're not executing on offense either. So you're getting the worst of both worlds. You got to have one or the, you know, they're going to play hard on defense, but you're having these little lapses, but on offense, they look like they're just trying to run out the clock and that's just not going to get the job done. All right, Josh, uh, you can wake up now. We're done. I think. Uh, we're no, I mean, I, I watched some of the game last night. I turned it on. It was 68, 61, extended it to 71, 61. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you're I'm on the train. Cooler. It's go. your fault. Uh, I mean, yes, that's that's possible. You can send all your hate mail to the scoop offices. That's that's perfectly fine. Uh, Carrie will will go through it and send me the best of it. Um, Nobody's no, sending any mail. That, that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's not a bill. It's not but, coming here. God, it's uh, that, that. I again, I watch so little. I have no. I won't pretend I have any context, but. Just some of the decision-making in the last two minutes, like I was like, I know enough to know that's not good. By the way... Uh, yeah, it was frenetic. Some good news to make you feel better about things. Uh, Matt Zenitz at uh, On3 does a really good job nationally. He's kind of come on the scene lately. Uh, he is reporting that Western Kentucky is expected to hire LaDamian Washington as their wide receivers coach. So that's fantastic news for LaDamian Washington. There you go. Yes, it is. And it, it, it kind of makes sense, you know, with the announcement. And I think that that's the way that was trending. It's hard to ask a guy to come around and stay around, uh, you know, in the quote unquote enhanced role if he has an opportunity to uh, kind of what Josh insinuated, uh, you know, really, truly begin his career. If that's what he wants to do as far as, uh, you know, coaching in D1 and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how anybody couldn't see that and then, you know, kind of say thanks for the hard work in Norman and. Good luck the rest of the way. I'm sure that um, he's a name that we'll be hearing more and more as uh, as things progress. And, you know, I, I would say that to land at Western Kentucky is your first job, a place that loves to throw the ball around the field. Uh, that has to be a pretty good situation. It, absolutely. And, and, guys, the thing I would also tell OU fans to take away from this, Brent Venables made this interesting, like made it worth considering a guy – staying as a support staff guy as opposed to becoming a position coach. Like, that's really hard to do. And I think it's a sign of Oklahoma starting to build, again, that infrastructure, that word we keep talking about, where, A, guys want to stay because it's a good environment, but, B, also because OU's willing to pay those guys. You know, we, we've seen these guys, you know, rather stay at Alabama than go be the – you know, the linebackers coach at Arkansas state or something like you, you see that happen. If Oklahoma can really start to have the on-field success and let it all start to, you know, really cultivate itself. I, you're going to see situations like this where guys turn down these kind of jobs to stay at Oklahoma. I think LaDamian situation was interesting because of the whole dynamic of what a weird year it was with that particular position, you know, on the, the coaching staff. So a little bit unique, but 
again, I, I think it's really telling because, I, I mean, I, I say with zero doubt there was real thought of him staying. Well, good for him. I uh, also want to send out uh, congrats to uh, my coach, Bob Stoops, who's being named the Paul Bear Bryant uh, Award winner today, Lifetime Achievement Award in Coaching. Uh, very nice achievement for Bob Stoops. I know uh, Bill Snyder has won that award before. Uh, so uh, in pretty good company. Howard Schnellenberger did win it too, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, no, it's a great honor for Bob Stoops. Glad to see uh, him getting recognized uh, out there. And uh seemed like there was one other thing. Uh, anyway, um, I, I do – I, I was thinking of this one thing. Eddie Radosevich is at his parents' house. Uh, it's It's been an interesting day for him. His car exploded on him. Uh, any words since the pod started about the uh, condition of the car? Uh, that would be a negative so far. I think that we're uh, we're not expecting any news here, I, I don't think, in the short term. So we'll, we'll see. Silent uh, prayer vigil to be. If you want to come and le- light some candles outside of the Sooner Scoop offices for Eddie's car, uh, I could probably use it. My my biggest question, like as you know, kind of uh, your big brother figure, uh, is does that car even have any value in it? If you have to get rid of it, like, are you gonna? Can you sell that? It's got I was a giant talking dent to... in it. Uh, yeah, I, for I one, think it does. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think it's a lot, but I think that there is a little value. Uh, it just think- has, we have to make sure that the engine hasn't blown up and we'll, we'll see if, uh, <laughs> you know, go. we'll, we'll see where that is here. Uh, shortly. Let's you, should Rum, I, rumor has it that can hurt value. Should I, should I make a call to Ed and Will Eskridge and find out if like what their offer might be? Like if it's a $500 trade in value, if that, Five, I, I think that there's probably more than 500 in there. I, I think it's probably. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say, I don't even know realistically what it would be. I would say that it's, it's more than 500. I would imagine if your car Eddie, somehow makes got it seatbelts in that thing, if your car somehow <laughs> makes it, uh, but seatbelts in it that he never puts on and it just sits there and beeps at you. Cause he's somehow Eddie has the mind that just lets something beep at him. Like, you know how all new cars, like they beep at you if you don't put the seatbelt on. And I remember the first time I, I ever, he, hear it i ever got in eddie's car uh because it drives me insane like if people get in my car and don't put their seatbelt on i make them before i go anywhere because i don't want to listen to that beep but i get in eddie's car we're just driving down the road beep 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 i was like doesn't that drive you crazy like put your seatbelt on he's like oh i don't even notice it anymore two things that will shock no one eddie can let shit go and be carry as temperamental like those are going to come as real rousing surprises to everyone Oh God, no! I mean, yeah, we gotta we gotta get you in a Lexus. It's, it's time, I think. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. I I think it's gonna happen in due time. It just uh, you know, from if a, your car from does a, uh, make it, like I think your car, its ultimate destination, its ultimate purpose in life, is to be the OU Texas car that everybody beats up next year over on uh, Elm and Lindsay. <laughs> there you go. That would be awesome. <laughs> I wonder if I could go by that church and just sell the car to them. I I wonder if they'd give me more than five hundred bucks. Yeah, say so can this be so. your OU Texas car next year? Mine. I mean, I think they'd be Joel, honored Joel to have Steve you. Would probably give me two thousand and then make flood victims live in it for a year. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Eddie, the the only thing, the last thing I do want to ask: What would you say you beat to a pulp before replacing more your phones or your cars? 
Uh, for sure, my my phone. I I don't know for sure. The car hasn't been beat to a pulp. It just has a it has a little bit of a dent in it from where I uh, (laughs) was attacked by a uh, pole. Your truck had one of those in it too before the Hyundai. I yes, I remember the truck having a dent. yeah, I'm we afraid. Be better about that. I got. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to investigate any further where the dents came from or why they were How, never reported. What the circumstances were. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'd need my legal team to uh... <laughs> <laughs> see. With the truck, you could you could claim that that was pre Lyft and pre Uber. Not so much with the Hyundai. Yeah, for sure. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Maybe mailboxes attack back when you're not looking. Schooner Scoop no, does not I'm in any just, way or I'm, form advocate drunk driving. Sorry, I just had to get that little well, legal ease no. in there. I didn't. I didn't hit a mailbox. I used to just push those over in high school. I didn't hit them with anything. <laughs> we would just push them over and then run. It's revenge time for mailboxes. Oh God! All right, dazed and confused. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it. I think I think we're done. Uh, this was a very long pod. I think people uh, will be happy about that. So, uh, But continue to stay uh, locked in to Soonerscoop.com. We'll have all the latest in the transfer portal, uh, all the latest with uh, coaching moves, if any more are to happen, which we don't really expect. But uh, looking forward to it as we uh, head into uh, the signing day that really doesn't matter anymore before spring football gets here as this roster continues to be transformed under Brent Venables and his staff. So thanks, everybody, for checking in with us once again this week. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.